Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Today on the Mac and Bone Show. Let's have a little fun at Panther player and maybe coach's expense over the last, uh, I don't know, a couple of decades. Uh, there, This whole season has been a disappointment. Many of our free agent signings have been a disappointment. The team in general has disappointed us. So in the spirit of that, Bone has come up with a great idea. We want to put together a Mac and Bone Show Panther all-disappointment team. People that were either drafted, signed as free agents, coaches, hired, whatever it might be. People that you look back at in history, uh, you know, of the Panthers, that just let you down the most. And everybody send us on that on that text line, 704-570-9610. Send us like one or two or whatever, you know, um, and we will crowdsource this out. We have some of our own ideas. And then I would say, Bone, we will by next week be able to officially announce the squad, post it on the website. This is just research right now, right? Yes, I know that uh, recency bias would suggest that Matt rules the head coach, but I'd go back further than that. It's got to be Seifert. It's got to be George Seifert. Matt, in eight years in San Francisco, he lost 30 games. Three years in Carolina, he lost 32 games. It has he to was be. 98 and 30 with a championship for the Niners. He comes here. Two championships with the Niners. He comes here and he goes 16 and 32 and was just an all time. He's an all time punchline. Matt Rule will be that here probably, but George Seifert's an all time punchline. Matt Rule, Matt Rule's a a, a punchline just because of the silly, goofy stuff he said. Yep. George Seifert's a punchline because he won two freaking Lombardies and then came here and was like, um, like one of the worst coaches in history of the league. All of a sudden, yes. like that's the epitome of disappointment. I would like to also uh, go along with a couple of texters, owner of the team. Sorry, Tep Daddy. Oh, Tep. Uh, Tep Daddy, I want you to I want you to improve as an owner and be able to shove it in our faces at some point. But for right now, right? I mean, you know, I, I get the point of that. I get the point of that nomination. Uh, James from Concord says Jeff Ota. That was one of the guys I was thinking of. And I know a lot of people, Bone, first round pick, was a big mauler type. You thought it would be perfect for Foxball, right? And a lot of people give him some grace and say, oh, it was the injuries. Remember the way Jordan Gross talked about him? Jordan Gross said the quiet stuff out loud, said basically that this guy doesn't really have the fire in the heart to play through these things. Yep. He called him out, man, in public. So I think Jeff Ota is definitely one of the starting tackles. Bob. It didn't take me long to come up back with three wide receivers. I will not. Wide receivers are crowded group. I, I will not name them all. I will simply give you one. That would be Kelvin Benjamin, <laughs> based off of performance, also the fact that lack of hustle on a play led to we we can blame Watt all we want to from Pittsburgh, but it originally start originally started with Cam getting injured trying to track down a play against San Diego where Kelvin Benjamin did not hustle on the play, and that's when the shoulder got injured. Kelvin Benjamin set this franchise back further than even his numbers would tell you. And the, the, the reason why Benjamin's such a disappointment, not only where he was drafted, late first round, but remember the rookie year he had? Oh, the yeah. rookie year, 1,000-yard season. 
So we had real big hopes at that point. And then how about the way he left the building? Blaming everybody but himself. Yep. Calling out Cam. I mean, yes, he's got to be one of the wide receivers. David Geddes is getting some uh, getting some mentions. He can't be a starter. He he can't be. How's he that much of a disappointment? What round was he drafted in? Sixth round. Wasn't That's it? mean. There's, That's too, there's other guys. What about Keyshawn's getting some Keyshawn's wide receiver on mentions? There for his I mean, one. what a flop free agent signing that was. It was. But if I'm going to have a starting wideout to go with Keyshawn and Kelvin Benjamin, because those were the two that I had, we're going to go Dwayne Jarrett. He was pick number 48 in the draft. He had 35 career catches. Mm. He could not even Matt, get up to a number of catches that equaled the number where he was picked in the draft. 48 in the in the draft, 35 career catches. And he, he was nice to us when we had a conversation with him, and he wanted to root for the guy, but just an all-timer compared to what we thought he was going to be to take that franchise to another one. He also is another guy that was kind of making excuses. Remember he did that interview at the Lockers? Yep. Where he was kind of making excuses, and Smitty basically in the middle of the interview let him know what he thought about what he was saying. Told him he needs to go watch some more film rather than talking. Like, uh, oh my God, the off the field problems, the DUIs. Like, didn't he have a stat at one point more touch, more DUIs and touchdowns? He did, yes. Yep. Did that? Did he finish that way? I have to look it up. God, seriously. Anyway, they that's, don't have, they don't that's have a D, great answer. They don't have DUI stat on. It's not a pro football, football reference stat. No, but I can get you touchdowns. <laughs> All right, guys, <laughs> guys and gals, text in. We are trying to blow off some steam. As disappointed as we are in players he did end up, and the uh, team. His career did finish with one touchdown. And two DUIs. Yes. God, jeez. All right, anyway. Um, that's it's just brutal. Um, we are asking for your nominees for the All-Panther Disappointment Team. 704-570-9610. Goody Man says this is unnecessary negativity. Goody. Mr. Goodies. I think. Sam Goody. Let me tell you something here. I think it's very necessary. I think we're blowing off steam on the bye week, my friend. All right. I think this is cathartic. Uh, let's see what else we're getting here. Joey Sly, the kicker. <laughs> oh, what about um, Wendell Mare had a terrible yeah, year. He did. Oh, he, did he, he had a did bad he, stint. Did here. he lose us like three games in a row or, or something? And it, he, and that's that led, a that's a great and call. And that led to Gano. A window Mari was so bad, we went and acquired Graham Gano. Mari missed a game winner against the Vikings, didn't he? Did, he? Yep. Um, I got a chip shot. Over at the stadium, an easy one, man. Uh, let's see, Kerry Colbert. Kerry Colbert had a good rookie year, but he can't compare as a disappointment with Benjamin, though. Right? Benjamin was a first-round pick that went for 1,000. Than, than Funchess? Yeah, Funches oh, is a Funchess, better one. Yeah, yeah. Funches is a better one than Kerry Colbert. And then, Definitely. of course, off-the-field stuff. And you took him in the first round. Ray Carruth is also. Well, we I just moved receiver. him to a different category. I, yeah, I, I exactly. Just, yeah, yeah ones like that have to be a different tier. Like a lot of people are saying Jason Peter, even Jason Peter. I mean, his issue was drugs, although I guess that's on him, obviously. Well, you got a lot you of know? defensive linemen. That can pay. That's yeah, we, another packed group. We were talking about the man that Selenia used to call spin cycle, Everett Brown. Who would try that spin move and realize, oh, you're still there, tackle. <laughs> I spin the other way. Oh, you're still there. And I hate it because he's a really nice guy. I hate it. But, yeah, we traded a future first-round pick. 2010. To, yeah, to get him. That was Marty did that, started doing that too much, where he traded a higher round. Than, he did it for Armani, too. He traded a higher round just to get a pick in the round that they were in. It, it seemed very I went and panicky. Up, I went and looked up today. Who was that pick? That they traded for Everett Brown the next draft. Who was that? That it was to the Niners. Who was that guy the Niners took back? It's only a five-time All-Pro offensive lineman, Mike Yapati. Yip- Yip- how you yeah. say, right? Yeah. Mike Yapati, the five-time All-Pro, was the guy we essentially traded for Everett Brown. And Seriously, that, that traffic. That's brutal. Um, uh, who else is coming up here? Jimmy Clausen. 
Is Jimmy Clausen the QB of the team? Early second round pick, dubbed by a morning radio host, a future pro bowler. I don't know who that guy is and where he is now. Um, mm. Is that, or is there a more disappointing quarterback than him? Chris Winkie was pretty rough in the early 2000s. I don't know what his expectation level was when he but came. Where to, was he drafted? The only, the only pro. I'll look it up. The only problem with I don't think his expectations were that of Clausen. The only, the only thing about Clausen that we always say though is Clausen did lead the camp. If Clawson was even average, would they ever have Cam here? You know, I, I don't yeah. know. If Clawson was so bad, he was actually maybe a good thing he was that bad. Chris Winkie Mack was round four, pick one of Yeah, that can't be considered his biggest. The crazy thing about Clawson, too, is he proved, like, he's a high second-round pick. And he proved how bad he was in, like, literally, yep. like, half a season. Like, that's all it took. What about Sean Gilbert? As an acquisition, yeah. I mean, I thought he, I thought he played well, but they gave up so much for him, right? Like he had to be so much better than he was yep. for what they gave up. D line, Flounder brings up a good point about the D line during the break. The D line is like wide receiver. It is, it is. We could go three deep with disappointments and dudes that have ticked us off. Uh, let's see who's getting some love here. Uh, um, Vernon Butler, big Vern. They took Derek. They took Vernon Butler over Derek Henry. Yeah, seriously. You don't think he could have fit? You know our running scheme. Um, big Vern. The only thing I remember about Big Vern is getting tossed from a game in Indy. Like yeah. I don't remember anything he yeah. did on the field. Who are some of these other? Greg Hardy for obvious reasons, much more dark than the one we're just trying to. How about an acquisition, Dontari Poe? Remember how excited you guys were oh for him? Oh my god, my excitement over Poe at the combine, and then we then we got him as a free agent. Yep. How about this, Coney Ealy? Yeah. Coney Ealy was what a second round pick. Almost and won then, MVP of the Super Bowl and had a three sack uh, turnover forcing Super Bowl game. And then didn't do anything else the rest of his career. Byron Bell getting a call-out bone. Remember the natural left-hander? Oh, yeah. Gettleman told us that he's a natural left-hander. What did you see this kid play left tackle? <laughs> didn't look natural. Also, oh, Eric, okay. Eric Shelton, the running back, had 23 yards in his career oh, here. My God, and also, Eric he's Shelton. more famous for John Fox told him what his injury was. Hey, I think you got a hurt foot. We will put the final roster together, but y'all are naming. Seifert's got to be the coach. Y'all are all over that. Y'all have got it. We got a good baseline for our all-disappointment Panther all-time team. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier today on Charlotte Sports Today with Will Pelagic. Brian Young uh, is joining us here. Does have uh, does have the ring on, though, which we definitely uh, appreciate and love. The Hall of Fame ring that uh, came from Kay Jewelers and uh, joins us here on Charlotte Sports Today. Brian, Will Pelagic, appreciate the time, and uh, thank you so much for coming down here. Appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, I was telling the boys that I remember your rookie year in the NFL very well because I lived overseas, didn't get to see a lot of football, but I did get highlight tapes every week and then the full game tape of that Super Bowl you guys played against the Chargers and I must have watched it on repeat a hundred different times. What was it like to step into that team as a rookie and get a Super Bowl run? You and William Floyd basically were in the same boat going in together as rookies. Uh, it was a it was a wow factor to walk in the locker room and 
see so many great players uh, that was already there and the ones that were acquired uh, during free agency in the offseason. Uh, Richard Dent, uh, Deion Sanders, Charles Mann, Ricky Jackson, had Ken Norton Jr., Rick, uh, uh, Gary Plummer. And uh, there's, there's a, there was a Jerry Rice, of course, who was a superstar to Steve Young quarterback. But there was this uh, this 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 awe factor that I had to get over very quickly because I was there to I was brought there to do do a, a play a role and, and play it well. And so for me, it was important to um, put that aside and and understand the role that I was there for. And, and basically go in and, and not say much and, and be as, a, as effective as I possibly can. And so the, the way that season went, it was uh, once we got our footing right and we got all the cobwebs out, it was a well-oiled machine throughout the rest of that season. And just a, a great group of guys that uh, you love to go to battle with. How did being around that shape up and, and help a Hall of Fame career like yourselves? You know, um, the, the guys, the players, the coaches, the, the, the organization, they challenged me every day um, to be my best. And they allowed me to flourish in a way that um, to play at my best because of the role that I had. Like, I wanted to make sure that I was accountable to those guys. Um, and to earn their respect. And so it was just a great environment to work in. He understood that, you know, winning was important, but how we did it uh, with class and, and uh, making sure that we did it with responsibility. And then also the, with the responsibility to continue to move it forward from where it was when they began in 1981, their first championship, to continue to carry on that winning tradition and how we did things the 49er way. Hall of Fame defensive tackle Brian Young joining us here. You're one of the many alums of the National Football League who has chosen Charlotte home. You help out, of course, at Charlotte Christian. And uh, I obviously feel like it's something that's a great thing when you feel like your city is home to even people who didn't play in this city. I know you played here as a visitor, but it's a scenario where it makes us proud to have a city that many NFL alums have come to, to reside in. Absolutely. This is, uh, you know, we, we looked at Charlotte from afar. We didn't know much about Charlotte before we moved here, other than playing here a few times uh, over the years back in my career but when I retired I had a chance to spend about a week here and my wife and I and our four kids at the time we did a little bit of exploring we had no family here had some friends in town and we went around just kind of looking and uh, we discovered that Charlotte was a, an incredible place from the outskirts and not knowing how my journey would go when I got into coaching and where it would take me and then when I took a step back we were already in the east coast and said hey let's just try Charlotte since we're here and it's been a great uh, adventure for us I've been here for 10 years what a great community, great city, and uh, the culture has been great. We've been involved with the an incredible school community and church community as well. I know that uh, you have a lot of things you want to cover in your speech, but I understand, of course, your philanthropic uh, nature is also big. Pediatric brain tumors is very much your passion project. Tell us more about what you guys have been doing as far as that goes. Yeah, so uh, initially, you know, having a chance to unfortunately uh, get involved with an organization like that, um, uh, obviously came, you know, with, with some hardship. And mm -hmm. for us, um, it, it was a natural um, give back component for us to get involved with something that was near and dear to our heart. I started off on the board, um, but because of my coaching and getting back into that profession, I had to take take a step back from that. And then my wife, uh, she came on. We were a part of the board. I was officially the board, a board member, but we had to basically switch roles, and she became uh, a board member, now, now vice chairman of the board. And 
and uh, she's doing an incredible work along with the other board members to help continue to move it forward, bringing awareness uh, to pediatric brain cancer and uh, just research. How can we uh, continue to, to service uh, those that are impacted by uh, this deadly disease? And then also just um, how do we continue to raise money um, and, and help research and, and the fund that, you know, this disease that has uh, impacted so many families and kids. We know we're very proud of that. We're also proud that your son's following in your footsteps to go play at Notre Dame as well. I know that makes you a proud papa as well, and uh, we're very eager to hear what you have to say to the folks here today. Yeah, thank you. I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, I'm excited to be here. Listen to Charlotte Sports Today with Jeff Rickard each weekday morning from 10 to noon. And keep it tuned right here for more instant replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Just in case you missed it earlier this week on the Wesson Walker Show. Getting back to Carolina Panthers talk. Yes, they don't play this week, but we're still going to talk about them. Still topics on the table to be discussed. And so when you look at this team, there's going to be a big grocery list. I keep calling it that. There's going to be a big grocery list that the Panthers have to shop for after this season, man. And there were some positions that are popping up that you didn't think you were going to have to shop for. And then there are positions that... uh, You may want to beef up with some quality depth. But the question here is, is it vital that the Panthers acquire a first-round pick in this draft, especially since you found your franchise quarterback? And to that, I say no. Um, We know that the draft is a 50-50 proposition when you pick a guy. We know that the bus rate on first-round picks is very high. Uh, Now, you don't feel as comfortable with – Carolina's scouting department and what they've done because you're staring down the barrel of potentially only having one draft pick from this class that ends up being of substance. We shall see. Time will tell. But a lot of people are speculating that some trades could happen, especially Carolina trading some of their most valuable assets, i.e. Brian Burns or Derek Brown or Frankie Louvu or some of those guys to perhaps secure that coveted first-round pick. And depending on the team, could be a pseudo second round pick anyway especially if you're talking the bottom of round one and so i want to know from you guys out there again hit the text line 704-570-9610 do you want carolina to desperately go after trying to get a first round pick in this draft at this point because uh You know, when you look at it, I feel like after you get the quarterback it's all downhill from there and i know it doesn't look great right now being over But I think that it's not the most imperative thing for you to try to get into the first round, especially if you have to sacrifice something. It's like, okay, if you do trade Brian Burns, is it dependent on what team tries to trade for him, where you project them to maybe pick in the draft? I mean, of course, if you did more business with Chicago, then you know. Let's just say that you you did a draft day like Kevin Costner and they <laughs> give you back your pick that you lost and you end up getting that second pick. Okay, then I get it. Then you get a chance to get a real franchise cornerstone, which we feel like Brian Burns is, could still be. 
Because he's on pace right now, folks. I know every game you don't necessarily feel the impact of him just dominating offensive linemen down in and down out. But he's still on pace to be around the same sack numbers that he had last year. He's still on pace to have just as many or more tackles for loss than he had last year. That production is not going to be easy to replace. And so if you get rid of him, you're going to have to replace him at some point. So are you going to do that through the draft? How will you go about doing that? And so I say no. I don't think that the Panthers need to go all out to acquire a first-round pick in this draft unless you really get a godfather offer. Yeah, I mean, I think the answer is no, just because from a draft capital standpoint, you can't continue to mortgage future draft capital for right now because at some point the lack of capital down the road will come back to bite you in the butt. And so unless you're trading away Brian Burns, I don't see how you get back into the first round. And then furthermore – like, how much do we trust Scott Fitterer to, to continue to make first-round draft picks for this team? Because the only one that we're really confident in moving forward 100% is Bryce. Because Icky has shown some regression, although I think it is natural for a left tackle to regress in his second year. When you play as much as he does the first year where teams got a lot of tape on you. And so, I mean, unless you're trading away Burns, something that I've been a believer of, they should have traded him away last year for the, the amount of capital you were given. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say no. It's 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 going to be hard being, you know, what, a 4-13 and 13 team, maybe best case scenario you get to 5-12, and 12, and you not have a first-round pick in the draft. But mm-hmm. you can't continue to give up future draft capital because at some point the Rams are going to find this out the hard way. It's going to come back to bite you in the butt. Yeah. And so you pose a great question when you talk about it being one year since Carolina traded Christian McCaffrey. And you definitely feel like they lost that trade, especially when you talk about McCaffrey being a potential MVP candidate this year and him continuing to be one of the more dominant offensive players in college football. I mean, in pro football. It was both. He was dominant in college and now (laughs) in the pros. Yeah, so you were asking, does this prove that they shouldn't trade Brian Burns? And so let's hear from Trevor Sikama, who was on the Kyle Bailey show, talking about the potential of trading Brian Burns. If you are too far away on this deal, like if if the two sides are not close, you can get way more from him in a trade, even if it's not two first-round picks than the third-round maximum comp pick that you're going to get if you let him walk or nothing. And you could franchise tag him, and I think that that's all still options. But to me, he's the most alluring one there. Because, you know, I've heard, hey, Terrace Marshall Jr. is on the trading block. I don't really know what you get back for Terrace Marshall Jr. It's it's not going to be something that's super significant. I don't think it's going to be for any of these receivers that they might put on the market. To me, the only guys that you would potentially move on from that actually hold value would have been Jeremy Chin and Brian Burns. And Chin doesn't get moved now because of the injury. And for Burns, it all just depends on where you think this team is, short-term and long. Yeah, and so when you go take a look at Carolina's payroll and you look at next season and what the cap hits are going to look like for 2024, well, Taylor Moten definitely seems like a guy that a, business, a decision is going to have to be made. He's got a $29.7 million cap hit for 2024. Yeah, and... <laughs> It's one of the worst right tackle contracts 
I think I've seen the Cowboys gave Lyle <laughs> Collins a big contract. Yeah. Two years later, he was gone. Now he's out of the league. When they gave Moten the contract, it was bad. And I know Walker thinks he's a top 10 player <laughs> most weeks when we do our top 10. Yeah. But I think the tape and the PFF and the PFF numbers would suggest that's not the case. I think he's very capable of being a cap casualty next offseason. Yeah, I think so as well. And so Dante Jackson, this is another guy that's on the trade block, so to speak. He will have a $15.8 million cap hit. So that's one of the reasons why uh, I think they're looking towards him as a guy that could be dealt away. Derek Brown sitting there at $11.6 million. And then Von Bell, Austin Corbett, and Hayden Hurst all over the $10 million mark uh, for 2024. And so when you look at it with Brian Burns, the Panthers aren't really paying a ton of guys big-time money like that, and they're definitely going to have to make some decisions on Burns and Derek Brown. Brian Burns could be a guy that they could decide to um, hit with the franchise tag. And then when you look at Taylor Moten, as I said, a decision will have to be made there. And then Derek Brown, they're also going to have to make a decision with him. And so when you look at the calculated market values, according to spotrack.com, Brian Burns is at 23.4. Derek Brown's is at 11.8. And so if you're able to get a guy like Brian Burns at 23 million, that's going to give you 12 to 14 sacks. Uh, 15 to 20 tackles for loss. I think that's a pretty good bargain uh, in today's NFL climate if that's what he settles for. I feel like he could get more on the open market. I feel like the Panthers are going to end up paying him more than that, uh, especially if he puts up numbers that are right at what he was at or better. And so, you know, I think that maybe you stand pat right now on Burns unless you could get a really, really great offer. And I'm not sure that you get that with, I'm not sure that you get that type of deal that the Rams were willing to give you uh, last season because teams kind of know that you're looking towards a quote-unquote fire sale. And I do the air quotes as I say that. Joey from Huntersville says, sell Burns for a first and a third. That, that could be a deal that you could make, but a first and a third, I think it just depends on where that first is. Uh, 704 number says, the real question is, do we trust who's making these picks? Well, that's always uh, a question right there. Panther Bo says, we don't need any top receiver talent either signed. Coach D. Tepper. <laughs> so David Tepper disguising himself as Panther Bo. And then uh, Big Cat Dan says, that if you know you are not going to pay him, trade him, don't let him walk for nothing. I mean, I agree with that, but I still think, like I said, you're going to have to replace that production. It's not like you have a young guy on the other side. It's not like you've got YGM sitting over there with six or seven stacks and the guy that you can say, all right, you know, we could get off the Burns money, and keep our overhead low because you're not going to pay Bryce Young if he ends up being what you want him to be. You're not going to be paying him a big, big deal for another four seasons. So the Panthers have a really a four-year window to really, really stock this roster and insulate it with players that are going to help Bryce Young reach his potential and also put them in a spot because we know that that's the name of the game in the NFL right now. You look at a lot of the great teams, they want to load up their teams while their quarterback is still on the cheap because yep. once you pay them, you're going to have decisions to make. You're going to have to get younger and cheaper at a lot of different spots. So like I said, I say you don't trade Burns for now unless you could get a significant pick. Now, when you look at this offense and we talk about a grocery list and the team that they just played number one in several categories 
And so when you look at this Carolina Panthers offense, and when we talked about during the draft, you know, I wanted guys like Tank Dell and some of those type of football players because when you look at this offense, is it me? Texters out there, let me know. Is it me or is this one of the slowest offenses in the league when you talk about team speed? I mean, Adam Thielen, we know he gets it in, but this is the guy that's averaging around 7.7 <laughs> yards per target, yeah. okay? Uh, Jonathan Mingo, yeah, he can run. He ran good in his pro day, but we're not seeing that translate to him getting open and making catches on a routine basis right now. DJ Chark, yeah, he still can run a little bit, but I don't see 4-3 when I watch him. And then Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard, especially Chuba Hubbard. Chuba's a, a very serviceable, but back, serviceable back. He's a good back, but he's not... You know, you think about some of the runs he used to make at Oklahoma State, and I feel like he put on weight, and that might have slowed him down a little bit. Oklahoma State, this guy every week was breaking 70, 80-yard runs, yeah. but we don't see that in the NFL, and I think that this offense could certainly use an influx of speed. I know I dissed LaVisca Chenault uh, earlier this week when I said they need to stop running reverses with him because he's too slow and trying to get him the ball so much, acting like that he's just this tremendous weapon that's going to decimate a secondary because I said he doesn't break tackles like a Debo, and he just doesn't doesn't have tremendous speed where you're really fearful of him. And so I think that the name of the game, not that you want to necessarily copy what the Miami Dolphins are doing, but you got to get some guys on this offense that are that have the requisite speed and are matchup problems. You want to become more dynamic. All right. So if you're Mingo, all right, yeah, we know you can run. You got to run a, a fairly good 40 time at your workout. But is he going to use that? that strength and that size to be dynamic. You can be dynamic in a lot of ways. Like you can go out there and make 50-50 catches and yep. use your body and continually bully guys and just be dynamic in that way. But you need a couple of guys, man, that teams are worried about. Like that teams are saying, my God, please don't let this guy catch the ball. When you play the Dolphins, obviously with Tyreek Hill, you're like, please don't let this guy catch the ball. With the 49ers, multiple weapons all over the field. The Eagles, multiple weapons all over the field. And even like the Kansas City Chiefs, they may not have that house household name at wide receiver, but they've got a lot of guys that can hurt you in a lot of different ways and have different skill sets. And I feel like that this Panthers offense could use an influx of speed on offense. There's no denying that more, you know, that the more speed would be helpful. You know what they need more than anything, Wes? What's they need that? guys that can just win. Yeah. They don't have guys outside of Adam Thielen. They don't have an outside receiver that can win on the routes. Yeah. Like, and, and, and look at look at Jalen Hurts. Once he got an A.J. Brown, a guy that could win one-on-one on the outside, he mm-hmm. becomes an MVP candidate and, and goes blow for blow with Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. And so I hear what you're saying where, yes, you would like to have a little bit more speed in today's NFL because it's so much harder to defend. But if Carolina had guys that could just win – Win at the line of scrimmage, win 50-50 balls in the air, this thing would look a lot better. I think that's the biggest thing is that I think we thought that DJ Chark would be able to win on his routes more. TMJ, we thought, was going to eventually take that next step to be that outside receiver that this team desperately needs. None of that has happened, and that's why we feel just so compromised offensively because you look at the Miami, you, you look at the Dolphins' offense, and yeah, they got track stars all over, but those guys, even if they're not running by their opponents, they're winning They're winning on their routes in other ways, and that's what Carolina just doesn't 
doesn't have right now. Yeah, and the thing, too, is you have to account for them on every play. You have to account for where these guys are and what they're doing. You can't just be like, okay, yeah, we'll worry about Tyreek Hill and then we'll go to sleep on Jalen Waddle. Nope, because he'll beat you. Go Panthers guy says, and Wes, it's not you. No game speed at all, and I think Tuba is pound for pound our best player. I disagree there. I think Adam Thielen for sure has proven statistically. Uh, is that Matt Rule's wife burner account texting in there? <laughs> yeah, on a game-in, game-out basis. I think Adam Thielen has proven uh, that he's the guy on this offense to go to to make plays right You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. We got uh, Nate Wimberly in studio, high school football time. The text line is wide open, by the way, 704-570-9610. We're going to keep him for a few extra minutes here, or as long as he wants to stay, that is. And we'll we'll get your high school football requests in. If you want to jump on the phone lines, let's say, you can't text, you're on the roads out there, well, be safe, but you can call (laughs) 704-570-9610 if you want a game previewed. Where are you headed tonight, by the way? I am at uh, Raven Gap, Providence Day. A battle of unbeatens, and no one has given. Ra- I've, I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. Raven Gap is nine and zero. Providence Day is eight and zero. No one gives Raven Gap a shot at winning this game tonight. Uh, I think they're going to keep it interesting for a little while, and eventually Providence Day will pull away. But it, this is kind of that last game for uh, Providence Day in this regular season uh, to where they're going to go undefeated. I think they get it done, but I don't 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 sleep on Raven Gap. Please don't do that. Okay, all right. Um, we had uh, by the way, there were several teams that played last night yep. to avoid inclement weather coming in tonight. As a lot of folks can see around the area mm-hmm. in uh, Gaston County and Cleveland County, there were some whoopings last night. Crest, Kings Mountain, North Gaston, South Point, all rolled pretty much, right? Yeah, uh, Shelby beat uh, East Gaston. Uh, the, the game of the night was uh, supposed to be in Robinson and Northwest Cabarrus for the South Piedmont 3A Conference title. I was at that game last night. Robinson ended up winning that game, uh, so they're the conference champs. But uh, those two, those are two good 3A teams, and they might see each other again in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, hats off to Robinson. Robinson was a 2A school last year. They moved up to 3A this year. Uh, Coach Jason Seidel, he, he, he got hired late in the process, so they've been kind of just filling each other out and getting better week by week. And for them to be undefeated right now and conference champs, hats off to them for the job that they did, you know, bringing coach in so late and coach just kind of just understanding the players and growing with the players and learning them and learning what's best for them. They're rolling right now. That team is pretty good. But that Northwest Cabarrus team is good, too. Real quick, I, I know it's it's about an hour from here, right? But it's, it splits the difference for me. Um, we talked about Hickory last week and how good they've been. They just obliterated Fred T. Ford. They dropped 61 on them. The, like what? I, I know it's been a while since Hickory's been really good, so there's a lot of excitement around them right now. But are they like state title good, or what, what are we thinking about Hickory right now? I think they're state title good. Coach Joe Glass uh, has been there for a couple of years now. He's kind of got his system uh, established there. Uh, they've got a great quarterback in Brady Stober. He's got over 2,000 yards passing right now, 28 touchdowns. Uh, they've got four wide receivers over 300 yards. They're, they're, they're spreading the ball around. They're averaging 45 points per game. The defense is, is okay. They're, they're giving up 19 points per game, but they're rolling. They've beaten East Lincoln. They've beaten everybody in front of them. 
The big one is next Friday against Statesville. That's that old Hickory-Statesville rivalry. It's good to finally have that game back where it means something, and it's going to be for the conference title next week. But, yes, Hickory Hickory is a state title contender. They're, they're good. All right, let's. Uh, I've got text coming in. BG just said, KB, the pride is back on the west side. West Charlotte High School balling this year. They've got Chambers tonight, formerly Vance, uh, but West Charlotte 7-1, and one, Chambers 6-2. and two. Matter of fact, let me bring in Jonathan on the phone lines before I steal his thunder. He wants to talk to Nate Wimberly. Jonathan, I, I kind of spoiled you, your, your <laughs> call a little bit, but I know you want to talk about West Charlotte and Chambers. Yeah, of course, because I'm uh, a Chambers alone. Class okay. of 2 baby. There you go. Hey, Nate, how are we looking tonight, man? Because I've been looking at how Chambers been obliterating everybody after they lose a game. So how we how, what's, your, what's your chances on us sweeping up the rug with, uh, against the Dubs? I know they're 7-1, but I, I just wanted to get your take on tonight's game because that seemed like that's a big game in the conference. It, it is a huge Thank game. Thank you, Jonathan. It's, it's a huge game in the conference, uh, especially for Chambers. Not... Not as much for West Charlotte. West Charlotte is going to get the number one seed in the 3A part of that conference. It's a split conference. Uh, they've already wrapped up the one seed, so they're going to get a, a, a really good seeding in the 3A playoffs. But they, they still want to win this game. Chambers is good. Uh, their defense, they're, they're led by their defense, but their offense is starting to pick up some momentum as well. Uh, the defense, only three three opponents have scored in double figures on them. Uh, they're battling for second place in that conference after Huff. Um and they're still trying to win it out between them and Mallet Creek, and those two play next Friday night. Uh, this is a pretty good game. It's a pretty big game tonight for uh, Chambers to kind of stay within that shot of getting that second place and getting that, that second place for the 4A side of the bracket so they can get a better seeding in the playoffs. Uh, right now, it's all about seeding in playoffs. You got to win right now to get the better seeds. Uh, if, you're, if you get a lower seed, that just means you're going to be on the road. As long as you get to the dance, you got a shot, and and the foray with the with with a team like Chambers or Mallet Creek, as long as they're in it, they got a shot to win. I don't care if they're playing where they're playing. Both of those teams can win games, but Chambers has a, a, a this is a big game tonight for Chambers. All right, uh, we got Nate Wimberly, WBTV in studio, talking a little bit of high school football right now. We'll take your uh, request to preview a few games tonight with a few minutes that we have left. Mallard Creek, Westmac, right? I mean, <laughs> what's that look about? <laughs> no? Mallet Creek. Okay. <laughs> we don't even need to talk long about it on Mallet Creek. <laughs> I mean, they've had such a strange season, yes. though, right? Yeah. I mean, Kennedy Tensley's telling me before the opener, he's like, man, we really think we've got this offense thing figured out finally. And they're still playing great defense. And they've played a pretty tough schedule. And and it's been a roller coaster already. But, you know, they're 4-4, four and 3-2 four, and two in their conference. Kind of where they want to be, I guess, at this stage of the year, right? Yeah, yeah, they're right there. Um, the, the offense is still a struggle for them. Um, they... they they're still trying to wait. They're finding ways to get Benjamin Black the ball, um, the wide receiver on the outside. Um, that, but they, their offense is just up and down, up and down, up and down. They just cannot get it really, really rolling well. Um, last week they lost to Huff in a, in a tough game where uh, at the end of the half, this is where the game changed for them. At the end of the half, they were lining up for a field goal. Field goal gets blocked. Uh, Huff gets it, takes it all the way back for a touchdown. Instead of being down five, they're down 15. Game over. Uh, because Huff was not going to give it. They didn't give up any points in the second half. So that kind of changed for them. They just got to get that. Up. If 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 Mallet Creek could find some consistent offense and put you know twenty five to thirty on the board every night, no matter who the opponent is, they've got a shot to win. But when it seems like they're playing the Huffs and the Chambers and things of that nature, they just can't get that consistent offense. But just like I said, they're going to have a chance next week uh, against Chambers. So. Uh, Tonight's a good night for them to get that offense rolling against West Met because they're going to score a lot of points tonight. 
I can guarantee you that they're going to score a lot of points. They're going to look good. Can they take that to next week against Chambers? We'll find out. Let's go to the phone lines again. Randy's got a question for Nate Wimberly. Uh, Randy, you're on the air with Nate. What's going on? Yes, sir. I was just wanting you to preview the Northwestern South Point game in Rock Hill. Ah, that's our uh, FFN game of the week this week. Um, Thank you, Randy. Boy, that Northwestern team is once again, they're rolling. After that week one loss to Providence Day, speaking of Providence Day, they've just been smashing people. Uh, they're averaging uh, 52 points per game this season. 52 points per game. The defense isn't, isn't bad. They're, they're giving up 15 points per game. They have 30 and a half sacks as a team so far this season. Uh, running back Turbo Richards is outstanding. Finley Polk. Uh, is doing his thing. South Point is kind of a, a Jekyll and Hyde team, even though they're, they're, they're number seven in the state. They're doing well. They almost lost to Lancaster a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it's just it's, it's hit or miss with South Point. Uh, I think Northwestern is going to get them tonight. It, it's looking more and more like it's, it's shaping up to be a Northwestern-South Florence state championship game for the second straight year. South Florence is number one in 4A. Uh, Northwestern is number two. Uh, this is a robbery game. I'm not going to put my foot in my mouth about this because South Point's going to get up for this game, but I think eventually South Point, uh, Northwestern wears them down and Northwestern wins this game at the end in a close one. Now, we started this segment with you brushing off, you know, my thoughts on Lake Norman, my gear, really. And, uh, you know, next week, you wanted to put off next week's Mooresville Lake Norman game. That's fine. Yes. But I've gotten multiple texts on this. And one, a minute ago, someone said just very emphatically, A.L. Brown is knocking off Mooresville tonight. Would you care to deal with that texture? Because, I mean, it's it's pretty aggressive. It says A.L. Brown is upsetting Mooresville tonight. This is one of those old-school rivalry games as well. Um, it would not surprise me if it if it happened. Um, Coach Coach Harden, has, he, his team has played well at times, and they're still trying to figure each other out. Uh, he's still trying to, you know, fit some pieces together and things of that nature. A.L. Brown plays some good football. Uh, if Mooresville thinks they're, they're just going to go in and they're just going to welcome in the Wonders and say, hey, we're going to smack you around for a few minutes and send you on down the road back down to K-Town, it's not going to happen like that. Uh, I think A.L. Brown's got a little something for them, and they're going to they're play them tough. Um, and A.L. Brown played Lake Norman tough. Lake Norman had to use, had to beat them on a, on a late field goal, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So um, A.L. Brown's going to be a, a little test for Mooresville. This is a good game for Mooresville to have heading into next week against Lake Norman. Uh, not a pushover, a team that's going to challenge them and get them ready for next week. But if if A.L. Brown does win tonight, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't shock me Okay, because, because of the rivalry factor. So I, I got a text from a couple of people about Butler, but one guy was like, hey, I never hear you guys talk about Butler. Why don't you talk about Butler? We're really good. We're Butler. I was like, well, first of all, you're on a bye this week, so there's not much to say. But second of all, it, it does warrant pointing out when you know just how good they've been this year. So they're on a bye this week. They won a tight game against Charlotte Catholic last week, 24-21. The previous four games, they outscored their opponent 232-6. to The previous four, they beat Rocky River 55-0, East Mech 58-0, Providence 49-6, and Garinger 70-0. If my math is correct, that's 232-6 over a four-game stretch. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that before. You get those kinds of scores in these conferences. You do, when, but when, that's when, when, you, when you got a lot of a lot of teams that that, that are like that that wow. they just overmatch like that. Uh, Butler is good, you know. We, we talked about them beating Langston Hughes down in Georgia. They, they, they've got some great wins. They've beaten Weddington. They they beaten Catholic. I mean, they 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 they're good. Butler's good, folks. Butler is a state championship team. Coach Hales has those guys playing some great football. Um, 
Next week is the big game with Independence. We'll talk more about that next week, but that's for the conference championship. Uh, but Butler is good. They are state championship good. They're going to be there when the playoffs start. They're going to be one of those high top seeds, if not the number one seed. Um, Grimsley's probably going to get the one seed, but they'll probably get the two seed in the, in the bracket. So uh, Butler's going to be there. That everybody down there in Matthews, just calm down. <laughs> You're going to be there. You're going to be good. And uh, we'll talk more about you next week when, when you take on the Independence Patriots, the Battle of Mint Hill, baby. The Battle of Mint Hill. That is the voice of Nate Wimberly, WBTV, 26 years on the beat, covering high school football, among other things, at WBTV. Does a wonderful job, and uh, every Friday, we're talking high school football from now for the rest of time. So yes. long as you're in this building on Fridays, that's your seat at 5 o'clock. It was hey, good to I see you, buddy. It. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody have a good night. You tuned into Instant Replay, when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.